As Benny said, we are in part 10, which is the final sermon in the series, Faith in Miracles. And this series was designed to help us understand how to grow our faith and also to get a better understanding on how God operates so that we can experience his presence to the point of living a life where we expect miracles to happen. Right? Because oftentimes we wish and we hope and we beg and we plead for the miracle to happen. But when we are in an when when we live a life where we expect them to happen, then we will be living a life where we're looking and listening and, and following God's lead on things. And also, when we get to that point, we can also be a part of that outpouring for someone else as we follow God's lead and we look where he is at. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us about what's going on with people around us. And, 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 and we can help usher in those miracles for them. We can help usher in God's presence for them. Because when we are looking for a move of God, when we are expecting God's Holy Spirit to show up at any time, right? Because he could show up anytime, anywhere, grocery store, workplace, here, out when you're enjoying chili with somebody. We can then be a part of something that God is doing in somebody else's life. He works through us to help be a blessing for others. And that is why this final message in this series is titled, Get Going. Because there's two words that echo the ministry of Jesus. Come and go, right? In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, let me nurture you, let me, let me help you, let me bring healing, let me, let, me, let me smooth out all the rough edges, let me make, what whole, what, let me make whole what is broken. And then, just like he said to the, to the disciples, in Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, once we, once we get to a place where, where we are good with Jesus, we'll talk about this here in a little bit, we don't, we don't get to stay there. We have to go. There are plans that he has for us to do. The moment we are in his family, the moment we are in God's kingdom, we are told to go because our life has been changed and we are now made whole and healed and well by his grace and his mercy and it's time to bring others into the kingdom of God. See, all throughout the Bible, people were called by God, come to me, and then they were told to go. Noah. Noah was, I picture Noah just kind of living his life, and then all of a sudden, God calls him and says, hey, Noah, come here. I got something for you to do. Now go and build that ark. Abraham. Abraham lived in a pagan household. Abraham, his home, his, his family, they worshiped many gods, and, and, but the God of heaven said, Abraham, come here for a minute. This is just how I kind of picture this, right? Come here. I have something for you to do. If you go, travel thousands of miles, to a faraway land, which is now known as the nation of Israel. I will make you a father of many nations. How about Moses? 
Moses, there was a burning bush, for those of us that know the story, where God was like, hey, come here. What is going on with that bush? And he has this conversation with God. And Moses doesn't want to do what God wants him to do, but God says, go. I want you to go, and I want you to set my people, the Israelites, free from under the rule of Egypt. And then the disciples, just like we read, were told to go into the world and make disciples. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to share the love of God with everybody around us. There's a story in Luke chapter 7 about a lady who who had this beautiful encounter with Jesus. Forgiveness. Like, like, I know I've been there. When, When you are just so overwhelmed with the presence of Jesus, can't you do nothing but just cry? Like, you just cry? You melt in his goodness? Because that's forgiveness, and that's grace, and that's mercy, and that's just a tiny little taste of his goodness that we get this side of heaven. So this lady experienced that. Then Jesus says to her, your faith has saved you, now go in peace. Do you think she kept that experience to herself? She shared that, I bet, with everybody she came across. And then Mark 16, which is the same story in Matthew 28 that we, just, that we just read. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. The good news, those of us in this room that call ourselves a follower of Jesus, if you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, that's okay too. Hopefully by the end of today you become one. Or maybe somewhere down the road. The things that we experience from Jesus, Jesus is the good news. And the good thing about that is, you don't need to know a whole lot of scripture to share Jesus. All you got to do is share your story. That's the easiest way to go about this. But see, Jesus says to all of us, come to me and now go. I have plans for you. These are the plans that I prepared for you long ago, long before creation, long before you were ever born. When you were conceived, I said, there it is. Now I will watch them live their life until it's time. And if they come to me, then they will go out and share the good news. Plans to tell the world about me is what Jesus says. See, every one of us should be sharing the good news of Jesus whenever we get the opportunity. And sometimes we know when we've missed that opportunity, right? Because we walk away going, oh, I've really missed it. And we feel guilty and bad and like, ah. And if you can, try to get back to that person. But if not, you know what? Now you know what that voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like. So when it happens again, respond. Press into it. Share with that person. Because, here's the deal, church, There is nothing more exciting that will build our faith and bring us into an atmosphere of expecting miracles than sharing Jesus with others. That excitement that you once had, when you see that in someone's eyes, when you see somebody making a decision to follow Jesus, when you experience somebody that says, where do you go to church? I'd like to come someday. There is nothing more exciting than that. And doesn't that build your faith? It it gives you a boost. The greatest miracle we will ever be a part of is the salvation of another person. That's the greatest miracle we'll ever experience here on earth. But here's the thing. 
Not everybody answers the voice of God's Holy Spirit when he says, come to me. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to read a story in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 15. And uh, I'm just going to give a, a little context, though. I'm going to start before this. So, so Jesus is hanging out with people, right, the Jewish people, his people, and they're all fighting over the seat of honor at this party. And Jesus sees this, and he starts telling everybody, he says, hey, you know, you ought not go for that head seat when you come to a party. You should sit, like, in the back, because the guest might come to you, the, 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 the host might come to you and say, hey, that seat is reserved for somebody more important than you. But if you sit in the back, the host might come to you and say, hey, come on up front, I have a better seat for you. She's trying to teach them about humility. And then what happens is, uh, in verse 15, Luke 14, verse 15, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus explained what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. After hearing what Jesus just said. And this is how I picture Jesus in, in, in stories like this. He used that opportunity to talk about the call on, on people when God calls them into his kingdom. So he says this. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just gotten married. I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had, after the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go into the country homes, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you can, you can find to come. You know, this reminds me of telling somebody, go find the homeless, those living in the woods. Go get them, bring them in. For none of those who I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. That sounds kind of harsh, but let's look at this for a minute. In this story, the man preparing the great feast and sending out many invitations is God. And the people who rejected the invitation are the people of Israel, the Jewish people, his chosen people. The banquet is the kingdom of God. And the excuses given were, like, laughable. The weakest of excuses, like... like like, who buys a plot of land without inspecting it first? Who buys five pairs of oxen, ten oxen, without trying them out first? And who gets married and doesn't want to take his bride to the biggest party in town? Not me. <laughs> These were weak excuses. Jesus was really trying to drive a point home here. So, 
The man said, listen, go out, get the downtrodden, get the sick, get those you can find that can't take care of themselves and invite them into the party. Bring them, home, bring them here. See, see, in real life time, at that time, Jesus was the one giving the invitations out. When he began his ministry, he would walk into towns or he would walk up upon groups of people and he would say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and be saved. The kingdom of God is here. That's that, that's that part of that vineyard theology, that tension that we talk about, the already and the not yet. The kingdom of God is here, right before your very eyes, but not yet fully established. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is in this room. The kingdom of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, is with you wherever you go out there in the world. And the Jewish religious leaders rejected him. That's what Jesus was talking about, and that's why the man in the story was so upset. They were the religious leaders. They were the ones that were setting the tone for the people as far as the religion goes. And that's what this story is all about. Now, eventually the Jewish people, their time will come, and they will put their faith in Jesus during the end times in the tribulation when all heck breaks out on the earth, and there will be those that say, oh, goodness, we missed it. But there's still time. We can put our faith in Jesus and get saved. Which, by the way, I think in February we're going to do like an end time series from the book of Revelation and talk about some of that stuff. So if you're into that stuff, in a few more months, that's what we're going to get into. But the invitation to be a part of God's kingdom, as we can see in this story, is given to anyone who will welcome him into their lives. God says, my chosen people, they, they rejected the Messiah. They rejected my son. So you know what? Anybody else who wants to come in, you're welcome. The lowly, the downtrodden, the hurting, the drug addicted, the alcoholics, the prostitute, the tax collectors who at the time were the lowest of the lows, and guess what? Even the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, who all of these people coincidentally were seen as unclean according to the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders. So they were the very people who they felt they were above even being near. And they were the very people Jesus spent all of his time with. See, when the kingdom of God comes crashing into your life, things get turned upside down. What you once thought was important might no longer be important. What you once thought was the way religion was supposed to be is not at all how it's supposed to be. It's not about religion, is it? It's about a relationship with Jesus. And it's about messing up and coming back to him and messing up and coming back to him and messing up and coming back to him because none of us are perfect. But when we stay close to him, when we come to him, when we mess up, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, when you're hurting, when you've messed up, when you've got nowhere else to go, when everybody has turned their back on you and it's just you, it's not just you, it's you and Jesus. Yes. And Jesus says, come here. Let's sit under this tree for a bit and talk. Let me nurture you. Let me, let me build you back to life. Let me speak to you. Okay, now you don't get to stay here forever. It's time to go. Here's the modern-day version of this story. God is giving everyone the opportunity to partake in the goodness of his kingdom here on earth, which then leads to eternity. And the sad reality is people reject that invitation. But in the story, 
After all were invited, there was still room for more. So the servant was told to go out, go behind the bushes, go on the, on the lanes, the highways, everywhere. I picture this, people who have the encampments in the woods and people who live under the overpasses and people who we don't rarely see except for during the daytime because they have signs, right? That's who that is. The oppressed, the hurting, the weary. Those are the people that God identifies with the most. This invitation we are given to experience the kingdom, this is the invitation we are given to experience the kingdom of God here on earth and eventually this banquet is a party that we will partake in forever. There's something called the marriage supper of the lamb that we will all partake in. Oftentimes you hear of people who pass from this life and they talk about a banquet. I believe that that banquet room is getting prepared as we speak. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the suffering servant who came to take away, who came to, to take away the sins of the, of the world. He was who they nailed to the cross the first time he came. The second time he comes, he'll be the roaring lion, the king of Judah, and we will all come behind him on horses from heaven. But those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, I want to speak to you for just a second. Guess who we are in this story? We are those who received an invite when Jesus said, come to me and learn from me. Now go and invite others into my kingdom. In Psalm 71, it says this, I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long, I will proclaim your saving power. Though I am not skilled with words, I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. Now, I'm going to follow that up with a passage from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We're constantly being transformed into something new every day as a follower of Jesus. Our thinking changes, right? We, we, we usually refer to this as our pre-Jesus days and our post-Jesus days. I used to think and do this, and now I think and do it like this. And here's the deal. If a person has truly been saved, they have truly been transformed. And if they've truly been transformed, then they will welcome the opportunities to share their faith with others so that the kingdom of God will be bursting with all kinds of people. That's what it is supposed to look like. Everybody together as one. And maybe you're like the psalmist, right? Maybe, maybe you're like the psalmist who said, though I am not skilled with words, I will praise your mighty deeds. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. 
It's kind of a, I'm not skilled with words, but I'll tell everyone. See, the more we praise God, the more we meditate on his goodness, the more we experience the things that he's done for us, the easier it will be for us to tell others about him. Because all you have to do is tell your story, something that God did for you. Maybe, maybe your car broke down and you had no way of paying for it, and all of a sudden, somebody came along and loaned, gave you some money. Something, right? Those are things that only God can do for us. And you should brag on that. And if we're not good with words, we're just not. We just, every time we try, we're just, we're just not. Well, the way we live our lives will speak volumes to those around us, which then will create opportunities for us to share our faith. Because somebody might say, I heard you go to church. Where do you go? Because they might see you as being an authentic believer, which they've never experienced before. And now the way you live your life at work or at home, maybe the homeschool co-op, wherever you're at, somebody sees that and they say, I want that. But just in case you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, it is so hard for me to share my faith. And actually, it's really kind of hard for me to live this life out. I've got struggles. Well, you're right. It isn't easy. Listen to what Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1. This might help some of us out here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Phew, that sounds kind of hard, man. Ugh. Well, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from our old sins, from their old sins. So, brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really, uh, that you really are among those called as God has ca called has God, has God called and chosen? Goodness. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now that last sentence has my attention. See, this is what we read in this passage here. To be a follower of Jesus is not easy. It's the harder lifestyle to live. Like, for instance, to be constantly transformed by the renewing of your mind takes an intentional mindset. See, it's much easier to be conformed to the ways of the world. But we have a saying in our home that we often bring up every now and then. To be conformed to the ways of the world means that you go with the flow. And when you go with the flow, that means you're going downstream. And what else goes downstream? Dead fish. 
The healthy, strong fish swim upstream. It's harder. But it's, you will get a grand entrance into the kingdom. Look at this. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know, man. That's what I'm looking for. What does that look like? Like, like, like a shofar? Like a band? Like a grand entrance? Like for each one of us or for all of us as a group? I don't know. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal is what he's saying. See, it takes an intentional mindset to live this kind of life. I mean, to be patient and generous and love everybody. Like, I can love everybody in this room, like most. <laughs> it's easy to love the people that are around us, right? It's not easy to love everyone, is it? It's hard. Well, you don't have to love them, but you do have to like them. No, no. It says you have to love everyone. Affectionately, too. With affection. That means it can't be fake. But again, it's not easy. It takes an intentional mindset. You know what? You can do it. You want to know why? You want to know how? You see past the exterior. Like I made up my mind a long time ago, I don't, I don't, the exterior of a person is not who I want to get to know. And oftentimes what makes the exterior a little, a little rough is the interior. And if you set that aside and realize that Jesus loves them as much as he loves you, you'll, none of that matters. It doesn't matter. Because someday, Jesus will transform them by the renewing of their mind and maybe bring some healing or something of that nature. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, it really isn't that big of a deal anyways. And also, when you love everybody, regardless, unconditionally, you have a better attitude, and I believe you're healthier for it too. Physically healthier for it. Because you have no more grumbling and complaining and things of that nature going on about other people in your life. But again, you know, we're told to work hard at this. Meaning, listen, this isn't easy. You have to put some effort into this. You have to work at this. But this passage right here, I believe, is the very type of living where Jesus says, now go. Go. Live like this. Invite other people into my kingdom. See, verse 9 tells us that if we fail to develop this kind of character, we will forget that we have been cleansed from our old sins. And we will no longer transform our, we will no longer live a life where, where we're transforming our minds into something new, into something that Jesus wants us to be. We will be conforming to the old ways of the world. But if we develop this kind of character, we will never fall away, and then God will give us a grand entrance into his eternal kingdom? Yeah, that gives you something to think about, doesn't it? I mean, isn't this what it's all about anyways? Sharing the love of Jesus 
so that we can receive that grand entrance. That's the vertical part of the cross, right? The horizontal is the harder part. That's, that's, look, look all around this room. That's the horizontal part of the cross. Look at your coworkers. Look at your neighbors. Look at your classmates. That's the part that's difficult, right? Loving them affectionately with the same love that Jesus shows you. I don't think they deserve Jesus. Well, but they do. See, this passage right here is the kind of life that experiences miracles the way they were intended to be experienced. Because when you put all that stuff aside and you love people unconditionally and you work hard at it, right? Like you, 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 you are intentional at working hard at this. Then you're actually communicating with God more on the intentionality of it, right? And guess what you're becoming more accustomed to hearing? His voice. And when you become more accustomed to hearing his voice, guess what else you become more accustomed to? looking to see where he is moving in your daily routine. And when you're more available to be used by him, guess what you get to experience more? Miracles in the lives of others. Because you're already expecting it in your own life, and it's just, it's kind of, it becomes a way of life now. And when you get to bring somebody else into that, ah. See, when we gain an understanding of the supernatural presence of God's Holy Spirit and begin trusting him in all areas of our lives, our faith grows and miracles happen. And then, Acts, I want to just quote something from the book of Acts, chapter, uh, chapter 1. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And right after he says this, they all watched him ascend into heaven. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is, this is the beginning of the early church. You know, these tongues of fire came down on the disciples, 120 of them, I believe, right? And then Peter goes and he preaches this message. Which, by the way, Peter, right, he gets a bad rap of just being a kind of a goofball and he shoots off of the mouth and he's got a sword and he's... But you know what? Peter was the only one that got out of the boat. Peter was the only one that defended Jesus and everybody with a sword, albeit Jesus said, hey, Peter, chill out. But Peter fought back, right? Peter, like he was defending people. Peter preached... A sermon, the very first sermon after Jesus had ascended into heaven and 3,000 people got saved that day. See, this passage here is about getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you accept Jesus in your life, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. But being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a whole different thing. That's where you walk in the power of God's Holy Spirit. There's, more, there's power behind it. And the result is this. You're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and you're going into the world telling everyone about Jesus. And you get so used to it because it becomes a part of who you are that you're not embarrassed when somebody rejects the message you have. You don't feel silly when somebody says, nah, that's not for me. You don't feel goofy when somebody calls you names or makes fun of you because of your faith. Because you understand that someday 
they may put their faith in Jesus. And all we do is plant seeds as we go through life. You might be a part of the very beginning of somebody's faith journey into becoming a believer in Jesus. Or you might be somewhere in the middle. Or you might be the one that welcomes them into the kingdom by doing the prayer of salvation with them. It's all about planting seeds. But somewhere along the line, we can be a part of that. And did you know that it is said, everybody that we have something to do with their salvation, we become friends with them in heaven. So we'll, we'll bring it home with this. Our faith in Jesus comes down to one thing. Are we going into the world and telling others about him? Are we hiding our faith at the workplace? Thanksgiving's coming up. Christmas is going to come up. We're going to be around family. And we love everybody that we're going to be around. And it's a great opportunity to share your faith. There's going to be more people in the stores. Good opportunity to share your faith. Good opportunity for you to be a blessing to somebody. Because here's the deal. Only a follower of Jesus can tell somebody else about Jesus. Only a follower of Jesus can tell somebody else how to get to heaven. Only a follower of Jesus can show somebody that they too can spend eternity with their creator. Only a follower of Jesus can show the kind of compassion that Jesus wants us to show others. There are a lot of things that we're going to do here on this earth throughout our life. Some of them good, some of them bad, some of them productive, some of them not productive. But they're not going to amount to anything in heaven. It's just, it's just it. You know, we've got hobbies, we have all this stuff, right? But here's the questions that we need to ask ourselves. How many people are going to be in heaven because of me? How many people are sharing Jesus with others because of me? See, when we stand before Jesus and he asks us, what did you do with what I gave you? What is our answer going to be? Did we go into the world and tell others about him? Or did we keep him to ourselves? Because when we go, this is how our faith grows and we see miracles happen before our eyes on a regular basis. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, And I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for that passage in uh, Second Peter, God. Especially for those of us that, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to be a follower of Jesus. But we have all the, the scripture to help us. We have Jesus to help us. And we have our family of friends to help us as well. You know, I just, I just had this thought that some of you right now have a picture of people in your lives, maybe one, maybe multiple, who you are like, you know what, I think I need to start sharing my faith with them. We're going to press into that a little bit more 
during ministry time after worship, but, but um, I want you to be open to that. And as we move into a time of worship, I want to encourage you to have a conversation with Jesus to ask you, would you give me the nudge when it's time to speak up and share my faith? I'm ready to go and share my faith. And I want to pray that for, for other, others of us in this room, Lord, that you would bring to mind scripture verses and passages, just like at Psalm 71, maybe Romans 12, some of them we've talked about today, some of them that maybe are your favorite passages. And I want to pray, God, that you would bring those to mind as we're going through our daily life as a reminder of who we are in you, Jesus. And there's some in this room that Jesus is saying, come to me, let me wash you, let me clean you up, let me nurture you, let me make you whole again, let me fill the cracks of brokenness that you're dealing with. And then there are some in this room where Jesus is saying, you've been hanging out with me for too long, it's time to go. I wanna ask Holy Spirit, to minister to those groups of people as we head into worship. And Jesus, I want to thank you for the changed lives that will be experienced here today in this building. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.